1877, the earth moved with the power of a footballing giant. And the world was introduced to the beautiful game. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Blasting the shot. What a goal! Bully's the hero again. And a podcast is following the giant in its bid for glory at the top of what it created all those years ago. This is the 77 Club. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The 77 Group. The Wolves Podcast for the Gold and Black Army. Hello and welcome to episode 149 of the 77 Club. Harry, start with the socials. The Wolves 77 Club on Facebook and Instagram, at 77 Club Podcast on Twitter, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes. Please subscribe and tell a friend. Dan Bayliss is here. Hello, Wolves fans. And Jack Williams. Good evening, all. You can see my bread. Freshly baked there in the background if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, what we'll do, though, is we'll start with Premier League action. And it was Fulham away. Nice little 1-0 win. Uh, Harry, and it was probably a very, very boring game of football for the neutral. It certainly was if you're a Wolves or Fulham fan. But in the end, got the job done. That's all that matters. Yeah, as you say, it was boring. But I think it was justice served in the end as well, because I'm sure we'll get onto the mad VAR decision. Um, and I was really happy with it to be honest I think it's job done now isn't it I think we're completely safe I think we were anyway but that just puts the the final reassurance in all Wolves fans that uh, we are going to set and the performance was really cautious wasn't it after conceding three in the first half against West Ham with four at the back we, we were a bit more steady and then obviously we had to switch to a five anyway when Neto went off injured and we saw it out and I think on the run of play we did deserve the win in the end and I'm, I'm glad we got it because we did deserve it Jack, Jack, I want to come to you now. I mean, I normally go to Bayliss, but I think you highlighted Max Kilman in the last podcast. Sorry, Bayliss. Highlighted Max Kilman in the last podcast saying, if you're him looking at that and you don't start the next game, then you may as well go now. How do you feel? Well, I personally feel better than Max Kilman probably does because <laughs> even when 
even when we switched to a back five and brought on the extra defender, we didn't bring him on. We put like Dendonka there. So um, I think that's probably him done, really, isn't it? I think there was talk a few months ago that it was probably going to be shipped out in the summer. And I can I can see that happening now. He seems to have fallen out of favour uh, out of favour with Nuno. So um, I, I agree with pretty much everything Harry said, really. I don't think the performance overall was very good. It's always nice to score a last-minute winner. Uh, and it was a sense of justice when you were looking at that uh, stupid VAR decision. I mean, William Jose, I know I've been I've been probably the only person defended him really a little bit on the pod for the past few months, but I, I, that's not his fault, is it? He did everything right there. He yeah. put the ball in the net like he was supposed to, and if that gets ruled out for a ridiculous offside decision again then he's never going to score for us. And we're having the same conversations every week and not even just in our games, some of the some of the VAR calls in the other games over the weekend again, which is shocking, but we're flogging a dead horse because we're having the same conversation every couple of weeks. And if you're telling me you're 100% certain that even when I was watching that game and they started drawing the lines on the pitch, I was like, they're not going to give that offside. That can't be offside. It looks pretty much level at best. It's level at best there. And then... With the frame rate, the second the ball's played, the angle you're looking at, oh no, they can be 100% certain drawing down from his elbow or his sleeve or wherever the hell it is that he's offside. It's bollocks. <laughs> How frustrated were you, Bayliss? Because, you know, like Jack said, we're talking about it again. It's going down to frame rate and drawing lines. And I think the, the part of it that not many people talk about is that you cannot be 100% sure when it leaves Tomato's foot. No, Jack's, Jack summed it up perfectly with one word. It is a big, dangly, hairy pair of testicles. It's crap. I, I'm fed up with it. It's absolute nonsense. It's, it is ruining the sport we love. And, and fans across the board, no matter who you speak to, are pretty consistent on this, that it has ruined the sport we love. No one wants to go and watch a football game with less goals, especially on the ridiculous minutiae they're trying to bring it into. It is a joke scrap the bloody lot I'd rather have a bad ref give a bad decision every other week than this nonsense because to be perfectly honest the people sat in that box at Stockley Park they just haven't got a clue have they how these people are paid professionals doing their job if any of us went to work and did stuff like that we'd all get sacked pretty quickly because they're just a complete bunch of prats and Harry, the most consistent thing about VAR is how consistently bad it is because we also saw Manchester United get exactly the same treatment, poor decisions this week. So it isn't just affecting Wolves, is it? I know we'll look at it and say it's only affecting us, but it is every single club that is getting poor decision after poor decision. Yeah, and obviously there was that Albion one as well. It's just never ended now. And yeah, the, the, thing for me, the thing for me with the offsides is... It's the frame rates and that, isn't it? When they start talking about that, is when it's kicked and yeah. all that. And we've, we've, we sound like a broken record because it is nearly, nearly every podcast we talk about it now. But for, for just ignoring VAR for a minute, we have spoke about it so much. I, I was just gutted for Ian Jose because we absolutely slated him, or definitely me, at last podcast saying I'm done with him. And although he wasn't great, it was a great finish. And I just felt a bit sorry for him. And with Fabio Silva coming on and setting up the winner as well, it just makes it like he probably won't be in favour for Wolves fans to start the next one. They'll want Fabio Silva, but that's what I was just really down about, for just for William Joe's day. After all the sticky took, he scores a great goal and he gets ruled off and no one will remember it in a, in a year's time. 
I can remember going to Craven Cottage, Jack, way back when, I think, uh, when I was quite drunk and then tried to high-five a toddler in the park and the, the mum got very worried. I remember doing that. Um, <laughs> that was post-game. Way, I remember Bobby Zamora hit the bar for them, I think, and that, that's literally all I remember from that day. Um, but, you know, three points at Craven Cottage hasn't happened since 1967. So, you know, it, it's it's pretty decent that's not true in the in the, in the top true. flight that's not that's not a right fact. in the top flight oh in the top one in the top ago, flight yeah. but, <laughs> okay all right just just don't want anyone to um think we get don't let twitter from. get after us <laughs> good news um, yeah, do you know a win at craven cottage in the top flight it doesn't doesn't happen very often oh, right, 1967 right. was the last <laughs> time that happened <laughs> Good start. Most likely because us and Fulham are both crap and we're not in the top flight that much. <laughs> That's, That's probably true. why. But <laughs> um, Fabio Silva, growing with confidence every game, Bayless, it seems. Fantastic ball through to Traore, who finished it off for the goal. It was a lovely pass, I think. And that was a confidence pass, wasn't it? To, to swivel mm-hmm. yourself around and just get it away like that. You've got to have confidence so, to do it. So it's brilliant. Like to a see. hockey pass, wasn't it? It was. It was that little turn around the yeah. superb. Um, I thought it was. I, I thought as a performance on the whole, Wolves were pretty good at what they did. But as a game of football, it was pretty dire. Fulham, Fulham were awful. Fulham are awful. Full stop. I think the only place they caused us any trouble or created any danger was swinging in balls from their left hand side, our right, and they probably should have scored a header. They two off target. That a, a good player, sh- yeah, good players should do better with those. I think Mitrovic had one as well. Um, that's the only place they looked dangerous. Otherwise, they were crap. They offered nothing. The defenders, thank God, didn't have a vast amount to do and did their job pretty well on the day. And we, it should have been two 0 shouldn't it? Uh, we've covered that, mm-hmm. and yeah. it was a it was a good enough performance to go there and get three points. If it had ended nil nil, you'd have been very frustrated. But we've done the job, and it's exactly what we went there to do. So I'm not one to go and look into the stats of this game and start praising or berating players for that performance because it's just a case of we did exactly what we needed to no one stood out none was particularly good Bayless, none, Bayless. None I know bad. we don't look at the stats because Nelson Samedo was our man of the match at right back and his stats he yes, was first yes. in everything so it's funny that this week you don't want to look into the stats when the bloke you don't really like because, was top of everything and had the best performance the team, of the season the team, that have only scored, <laughs> the team that have only scored 24 goals this year and he had a good defensive performance event with them thank fuck he did I, I don't know if <laughs> you noticed <laughs> but I don't know if you noticed, but like they attacked down the left so much, so he had a lot to do, and he dealt with them really well. They targeted him. Basically, if you were Fulham manager Bayliss, they did what you would have done and target our right back, and he did really well. He he was brilliant. But the chance they should have scored, Mitrovic should have Mitrovic should have scored that header, and it came because Semedo got caught out of position, and they got the run on him, and that was their best chance. And that's a fact. We can look at all the stats all you like. I think think about the game. But the best chance Fulham had came because of Semedo being out of position. Fact. I disagree. I don't want to talk about it, Harry. I don't want to hammer anybody. I think it was a good... End the podcast. Absolutely. You're hammering him. You're hammering him now. We've got to point out that Semedo had probably had his best performance in a Wolf shirt. We've got to point it out. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. His best performance in a Wolf shirt Palace at home and the second half at Sampton are his best two games in a Wolf I disagree. I think it was against Fulham. I disagree. Oh, no chance. I th- no, I completely I th- disagree. I think if you can't see that Semedo was clearly our man of the match on, on Friday night, then it's, he's never going to be man of the match because he was our best player, I think, by by mm. easily. And you'll say, and you'll say, oh no, it's Traore because he scored and did nothing. No, else. I th- I think we were I think we were pretty 
bang average, but did the job across the whole game. That was it. I just think Wolves did the job you're supposed to do as a football team. And no one really stood out and no one really shone. And we just got on with the game and we managed to get three points, which is the really important thing. No one set the world on fire in a game against dog shit Fulham. And that's the end of it, in my opinion. And the turning point was the fact that Traore managed to smash one home in the last second. Other than that, there is nothing to start singing the praises of Wolves players after that performance. It was good enough. It was good enough to do the job and that's it. We were quite worried last week, weren't we, Harry, when we were looking at the table, looking through fixtures, can they catch us? Can we get relegated? And like you said, I think those fears have been put to bed. But one of the players that you mentioned there is Mitrovic, who hasn't really played that much for Fulham in the extended run side. Is he somebody that Wolves would be looking at in the summer, do you think? Maybe, but what I will say on Mitrovic is I was really worried and I think to be fair to Cody, he did actually did okay against him, even when we was playing a back mm. four. He had that one where they like tussled each other, and then I, I think Cody did give the foul away, but they didn't do too much like Bailey said, but that's because we had a fantastic right back. He got a man of the match performance and stopped everything in Sumado. So, yeah, uh, it, it's, it was a game where I'm just happy we come out with a win. It was boring to watch. You saw Fulham's reaction at the end. They're in tears, some of their players, so they know it's done. And the big news, obviously, coming off the back of it is Neto's injury and he's out for a good six months. So I'm glad we've got that secure security now, especially with losing Neto. We'd have needed him if we was in a dogfight. Harry, is it nothing to do with the fact we were playing Fulham instead of West Ham? Because the same defence got opened up like Christmas morning and then a few days later go and have the best game ever and they're the best defence you've ever seen in yeah, the world. Yeah, maybe, mate. But what I, like I said a minute ago, they were attacking down the left a lot. And I just thought Samado coped crap. really well. And we, we've got, we, yeah, but they still attack down. Every attack pretty much comes down the left. So you've got to, you've just got to praise Samado, in my opinion, when he has a good game, when he gets targeted I, as our weakness, and he I, and he stands up tall and, per- and counted, and also Aitnori did too on the other side. To be fair, they both have perfectly acceptably good games, but it is nothing to go and say we've now got a world class right, left, or centre back. You go and prove yourself by doing it consistently against good teams. This, this, a couple of stats about having a good game against Fulham doesn't then define a great player. You can't start using these stats to say he's way better than everyone's saying. He's brilliant. Best I didn't say that. I league. just said he had the best game of the season in the Wolves shirt. I just said, said we've got a praising because we've yeah, criticised we also, him a lot. I'm not saying he's the best thing since sliced bread. I'm just saying he's had a good, good, good performance. Oh, I disagree. A lot of people around social media are saying that he is absolutely unreal and he is not. He's had a good game against some poor teams. Let's see him do it against West Ham instead of six defenders letting two people skin him. I mean, we have got a run now of like playing teams pretty much below us. So that means basically Samado can't have a good game until we play like... <laughs> if he does it, if he does it yeah. consistently, and I mean, the pass to Pedence for the cross for William Joseph's header, fantastic bit of play. Really good bit of football. Great. Cheers. Thank you. Let's start bringing it into games that we need to win as well. Let's start bringing it in against we the needed to win this game. team. So we if did, we hadn't we won that game, it. it would be bloody meltdown, yeah. wouldn't it? And everyone would be looking over their shoulders. So he's damned if he does. He's damned if he don't. In your eyes, mate, it's just the target. No, but do you not see my do you not see my perspective between going up against teams you've got to beat, and there is a difference. If we'd have gone and drummed them four nil, three nil, great. Apart from Neto, apart from Neto, who has been consistent for Wolves this season, apart from consistently shit, nobody. See, I think I think Traore's been fine. He might have quiet patches, but he what? he has the ability to change games. He's only just got a goal and assist in the last three games. Chaotic. 
Chaotic Rager says, when you have to argue this much with someone over one particular person, they will never listen. Just popped up on the uh, YouTube comments there. Uh, in, in terms of, uh, <laughs> I was going to say a man of the match, but my God, we'll open another can of worms again. Um, I think we've got two tomatoes and a Bayliss. Will Traore change the game? Also, while we're eating humble pie, I think we need to give a shout out to someone else who was involved in the goal, who we've slated. Gibbs White, I know. It pains me to say it, doesn't it? The TikTok king. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, when, when, it was brilliant because we said, oh, here comes Morgan Gibbs White to save the day, and he did, which is just shows how incredible we are as a podcast that we can pick these things. I was screaming for a foul. When he turned, he got brought down. I was like, foul ref, so I'm glad he like let play go on. And then, as we know, great ball from Silva. But yeah. Good. Well done. Well done, Gibbs White. We've got to say that because I've just said, <laughs> I've just said we've, got, we've got him, haven't we? Because we have slated him for a lot of things and he come on and let's be honest, all he made an impact. So there we go. The thing is though, they've, they've like him and his missus now, they've just laid laid the path that they with, with their social media and there's nothing you can really do about it because even on the after she put a post out afterwards saying that... Um, Oh, I just get so proud when I see him play. All the comments are just like, he's shit. I'll drive him Just jump on him, yeah. I can't, you can't win really. But, you know, he did all right there. So, yeah, fair play to him because I was a bit confused when he was coming on. How concerned are we with Neto's injury, Harry? I mean, it's such a huge loss. Like you say, he's been the mainstay in terms of a consistent performer this season. And, you know, he's he's another one on the medical table now. Yeah, and what I will say about it is, obviously it's horrendous, but what really annoyed me off the back of it was all the fact, well, a lot of fans on Twitter, social media, whatever, blaming Nuno for it. Because obviously they knew about the injury, but I was speaking to Dave as a party friend of the show, and he pointed out correctly, well, the medical staff would have given him a green tick to play, wouldn't they? You can't put it all on Nuno for playing him after he took a knock on international duty. He obviously wanted to play, he was fit to play, and unfortunately... He got injured and it's a it's a bad one. Same with the Johnny one, obviously, him getting injured again. It's mm-hmm. we've just been so unlucky of injuries this year. And it's down to the season we had last year, it's gotta be. It's starting to catch up on the whole team now. And I'm gutted for him because he's gonna miss the Euros and I'm sure he would have featured in that for Portugal. And let's just hope he comes back with a bank when he does get back around probably like around October time, if you believe the you know, how long he's actually gonna be out. Bayless, do you think it's strange the way that we're seeing players brought back? Because I mean, Harry made the point that Dave made there about getting the green light and I was surprised at how long Pedence was on the pitch for compared to somebody like Johnny you know came back from injury and he, he was eased back into it wasn't he really given 45 minutes 45 minutes 45 minutes and he's back into it and obviously he's injured now we're running out of players pretty quick to be competitive at this standard and it's and it just keeps happening on and on every time we think there's a bit of good news there ends to be two pieces of bad news Mm. All it needs now is a Traore to do his ACL on Saturday and then that's the season absolutely wrapped up in a bow. Good night, Vienna. Uh, Perfect. Right, Okay. We'll turn our attentions now to Sheffield United. So if you're listening on the podcast, here is your away perspective. The away perspective. What have our opponents got to say? You've got me stuck doing the away perspective this week. I'm joined by Nathan Taylor, uh, Sheffield United season ticket holder. Is that right? It is right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not at the moment. But, yeah. Uh, well, none of us are going to any grounds for the time being, but um, at least we can watch it and chat about it, although neither of us are particularly happy. We're a little bit happier than you guys are. Hasn't really been the best of seasons, has it, to be honest? It hasn't panned out at all. I don't think it's panned out how anyone expected it to. Go back to our first game of the season against you guys, and yeah, within 10 minutes, we're 
we're two 0 down, and unfortunately, I, I don't think we we really recovered from that. To be perfectly honest, I think it killed everyone's confidence at that point, and we've just looked shot since then. Can you um, put your finger on what you think it is? Why do you think it's such a dramatic change? I think did you finish ninth last season? Yeah, the ninth last season, and of course we tailed off after the restart. I think there's a few factors. Really. I don't think there's any any single defining factor. I think obviously having no crowds has been a huge miss. Yeah, for for a club like ours, we we really are the twelfth man. Um, and it's been referenced many times by Chris Wilder when he was here and several of the players in interviews that they are just missing that. It's, you know, it's that extra bit of energy it gives them towards the end of the game when legs are tired and there's a result at stake. You know, there's, there's also been injuries throughout the year and you know, arguably the biggest, the biggest miss this season has been Jack O'Connor and the, the general reliability of the back three we had last season where every weekend it was the same back three playing at centre-half week in, week out up for suspensions and we just haven't seen that back three at all this season it's been changed multiple times because of injuries and suspensions and, and the like so you know it, it's tough it is it's a bit of a sorry story really because you know it's hard for promoted teams to stake their claim in the Premier League and a few have done it in the recent years and you you thought Sheffield United were going to be one of them the way they played football last year was superb and it sort of flipped itself on the head a little bit yeah it, it seems though in a way with We've kind of forgotten whether it's a lack of belief and lack of confidence after, you know, going so long. I mean, we went nearly half a season before we got our first win. And you know, I don't care who you are, what club you are, that, that's got to have an effect on, on you as a player yeah. mentally. It just has to. Do you think that's it now? Is it, are you down? I mean, I've, I haven't looked at the numbers. I'm not sure when it mathematically can happen, but is, is it now a case of playing for pride and just seeing if you can ruin other people's seasons? <laughs> Mathematically, if the results go against us, you can relegate us this weekend. So, oh god, yeah. But to be honest, it will be. It's expected. I think everyone has everyone has realistically accepted it for several weeks now. I mean, it's over a fifteen point gap, isn't it? It's it's quite a long way. Yeah, and you know, West Brom have picked up form. They've had two serious results in the last seven days, banging five past Chelsea and then backing up with a win midweek. What should we expect? on Saturday are you going to come out and still give it their all are Sheffield United still playing the same style of football we remember from last year where they they pass the ball well they defend pretty solidly and they try and attack and create chances or is it is it completely shot and it's now just hope for whatever you can get it's, a to- it's totally shot to be honest it's, we, we look a shadow of ourselves it almost feels like we're going into games now every game we play against every team it just feels like it's damage limitation and you know, clearly as we saw last season that, that was very rarely the case you know, yes, we had maybe had a few games against the big boys last year where we try and stay in the game for an hour to 70 minutes and then give it a go in the last 20. But now it's just, we're almost frightened of our own shadows, I think. And when, when you've got players that are frightened of making mistakes or whatever, then you naturally make mistakes. That's, that's football, that's sport. Yeah, totally um, agree. So, totally so agree. I, I don't know what to expect this weekend. I just I just hope we put on a, you know, a decent a good show. It, it could go either way. You know, as you're missing players. We're just not very good. So it, it could go either way. It could be an end-to-end free-for-all or, you know, one side of the other. It may even be a nil-nil draw. I, I just generally, with how we're playing, I mean, I would, I would just take a point right now. That is fair enough. And go on. You're going to have to give me a score prediction before we go. I hate to say it, but I think you'll win 2-0. Well, thank you very much for your time. And um, I know it's a bit of a foregone conclusion now, so hopefully we get to speak to you again in a couple of seasons time and Sheffield United come back again because it's a proper football club and you want to see proper football clubs in the Premier League and not the uh, likes of Brighton or West Brom or Newcastle.
<laughs> uh, well, I hope we're back. I hope we're back sooner than we all hope. But, uh, yeah, we'll have to see how next season pans out and how we crack on in the championship. The away perspective. What have our opponents got to say? Well, Bailey, I'll start with you. You, you uh, took the away perspective. And what are the thoughts from the Sheffield camp? I, I imagine they're quite depressed, aren't they? And then on top of that, they're bottom of the league too. I think it's just a bit, a bit of shock that they were obviously so good last year in the way they played their football. And it's just been a, an absolute huge fall from grace. I think they've lost a couple of key players. They haven't had a, a solid back four for most of the campaign, which um, has worried them a bit. And second season syndrome, isn't it, really? That's all you can put it down to. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is going to happen to Leeds. You heard it here first. Is that more in hope than expectation? <laughs> yeah, it is, really. But, um, uh, all in all, they're, they're playing for pride, aren't they? Sheffield United, it's now just to try and spoil some other people's team, maybe drag a couple down with them. When we think of Sheffield United, we think how brilliant they were last season. They were going toe-to-toe with Wolves. And, I mean, we were joking, saying, wouldn't it be funny if we got relegated and when we were back in stadiums, the last game that we went to would have been post-Europa League and the first one back could have been Luton away. Do you think for Sheffield United, they're going to lose key players or or do you think that squad, because it was always built around team mentality, wasn't it? And and how good they were as a group. Do you think that any of them could leave? Do you think any of them could really do a job for Wolves? Well, we're we're linked with McBurney. His name is that striker, <laughs> so he might leave. But the goalkeeper Ramsdale didn't he get relegated last year as well? With Bournemouth, yeah, with Bournemouth, Bournemouth and they signed him. He, but apparently, he's been one of their shining lights. And obviously, Chris Wilder leaving is a bit. I think it's obviously heartbreaking for the Sheffield United fans because he's a local bloke, been an absolute hero for them. And for them to lose him and then just dwindle away like they have, it's it's been shocking, really. I mean, it just shows how good we did to come seventh twice in a row. Because second season syndrome, people yeah. say it's a cliche, but it's a real thing. It really is. Like they're on such a high uh, after last season, and they've just dwindled away. And in terms of their players, I'll be honest, I'm not too familiar with their stars. Really, they've got that defender, is it Ed Edgen or someone like that? I think he's been out and just come back. I don't actually can't remember his name, um, but no, I don't really think many will snap their players up. To be honest, can you think of anyone? David McGoldrick is the only one that stands out for me only because he's got seven goals, which is incredible if you're a Wolves player. But Jack, how would you approach this one? I suppose it's more about getting points on the board. I think we're both, well, we're all sort of happy with the points total at this stage. But what are your thoughts? Well, if we had a full strength team, then we should be winning this all day long, shouldn't we? Let's be honest, regardless, considering how... Even though we've not had the best season, there's still a massive points difference between us and them because they've just had an, an absolute shocker. So on a normal day, you'd say anything less than a, a win and a convincing win at that would be a disappointment, particularly now with the run of games we've got where we should be looking to try at least, you know, finish 12th as a minimum, really. Otherwise, don't get dragged into those proper teams down the bottom. But, um, you know, the injuries are going to play a part, aren't they? The bench isn't strong enough. The depth isn't strong enough. The the, some of the kids there are unproven and we've got another shocker injury and this time it's to our, our player who's been the player of the season really I think he probably still will get player of the season and how do you come back from that it's really difficult difficult for us difficult for him because he's going to miss the Euros when he's just broken into the squad uh, and our first 11 really at the moment pretty much picks itself now doesn't it and we've got very little on the bench apart from you're looking at like the likes of Gibbs White and Vitinha might get a, a look in but apart from that it's looking dire, isn't it? So we need Apparently to go this lad, Cor- 
Kobayu. Might Canadian, get a shout on the bench. The, the Canadian, Might get yeah. a shout on the bench. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing that and give him a run out as well. Uh, who takes Neto's place, do you reckon, Harry? Um, it'd be interesting to see what we do. It'd be whether he'll just put Matinho in like he did in the actual game and go back to a five, but I'd hate to see that. I, I didn't really particularly like it in the game, to be honest. I wish he'd have brought Vatinha or Gibbs-White on straight away. So for me, it would be slot Vatinha and Gibbs-White in there and stay with the four at the back and just try and be attacking still and try and get us better defensively uh, with the four and try and get them used to it. It's the best time to try it because we're playing teams in and around us and we're really comfortable. So for me, yeah, Gibbs-White or Vatinha slot them in. Obviously, yeah. Bayless, is it Gibbs White or Vatinia for you? It's going to be the bloody kit man at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Um, I like Vatinia. I'd like to see him being given a go, so that's what I'd do. There's a real opportunity, isn't there, for those loan signings to make a re- stake a real final claim by actually starting games. So, uh, Jack, I'll bring you in as well. I mean, on the loan signings, I'm probably in the minority and think you uh, think this at the moment because um, I know a lot of people rate Vatinia, but. I've not seen enough of Vitinho in a in a wolf shirt to justify his price tag. If you gave me the choice now between keeping Vitinho or Eight Nori, I'd keep Eight Nori. I think he's done all right the last few games, so it's a good opportunity for him, obviously, and obviously he could stake a, a claim for quite a while. But uh, I actually agree I, I with you there, it. Jack. I don't. I don't think it'll be that much drastic change. I think we'll probably play five at the back. You'll play Podent, Strore, Jose, and that's that, that'll be it. We'll Jack, see. I agree. I think I think if Eight Nori bulks himself out a bit and just works on his defensive stuff, he's clearly got the skill and ability going forward that Wolves need. I think he's a, mm. a genuine talent that's just a bit weak defensively, and he's just been unlucky that he's come into yeah. the best league on earth as a kid, um, and he's got twelve months. You know, he's had twelve months free shot at it. So I'd, I'd buy. If him. I just, I... Go on, so I was just going to say, gonna like say... Oh, go on, go on, Jack. Right, I was just uh, just off the back of, back of Dan's point. I was just going to say, if we've learned a couple of things, like with uh, Pedro Gonclaves or uh, Rafa Mur, it's that sometimes it takes a year or two to develop. Uh, so maybe maybe eight Nori, you know, he's doing all right now. So give him a year or two to bulk up. And also, if he was playing in the more attacking team, it would be like a Jota situation where he'd be ripping people apart because he's quite attacking, isn't he? But but we'll see. But I would, I'd keep if he gave me the choice now and said him or Vitinha, I'd keep him. Harry. So I just want to th- it, it come back to me as you were speaking. We probably should have mentioned it earlier. What I found quite strange as well, when we did eventually switch the five at the back, did you notice that Adama was through the middle and William Jose was on the left of the three at the front, which I found quite strange. Obviously, you think of William Jose as the target man for the middle, mm-hmm. but he put Adama there and they ended up working because obviously when Silver come on, he, he was kind of to the left too. I just found that quite interesting. I don't know whether he'll keep doing that, but. You'd never think as William Jose someone would want to be out on the left, would you? So I just found that well, uh, I was gonna say, quite a strange tactical move. Interesting that you bring that up because uh, is it time to to look at Silver starting or do you think it is working as it is now, Bayless? You know, he's, he's getting to come on. and Because remember, Sheffield United, bottom of the league, is it a chance to use some of that, you know, confident energy against the side bottom of the Premier League? My attitude to it is we own Silver and... The more Premier League football he gets, he can only get better from it. So I, that's what I would be doing, personally. Jack, could you play both of them? I mean, we're, oh. we're on a on a shoestring now, couldn't you? Four, four, fucking two. Four, four, two. <laughs> if you play four, four, two, the team pretty much does pick itself, really, apart from maybe the central midfielders. But um, 
yeah, I've got no issue with Silver. Silver's impressed me a lot, particularly with his cameos in the past few weeks. And I've been one of his harshest critics. Uh, so I think, yeah, he's going to get better and he's clearly got a footballing brain. It's just about, you know, doing exactly what he wants to do at the right time. And I think he's he is going to get better. So I've, I've got no issue with Silver starting, to be honest. So if his name's on the team sheet come Saturday, obviously it's a late kickoff now, Saturday, dinner time, tea time, whatever. Um, I'll be fine with that. When is Willy Bolly back? That is the question on everyone's lips. So is that a selection headache? I mean, the, the defence obviously did itself absolutely no favours against West Ham, but then kept a clean sheet last time out. Harry, open it up. I mean, he walks straight into the team, doesn't he? I think he does for most Premier League sides, in my opinion. The only thing that I... Uh, I just hope if he does... Well, he will come back in, obviously. I just hope he sticks with a four. Because I think with him coming back, maybe Nuno think oh, there's an extra defender, let's play the five again. But I, I want to see us play a four with... It, it'll be Bolly and Cody. There's no doubt about it. Because, you know, he ain't going to drop Cody, is he? So that's the only headache for me, is uh, please don't play a five. Now Bolly's available. Stick with the four and just slot him in the defence. School prediction, Bayliss. 1-0 Wolves. Jack? I was going to say 1-0 Wolves as well, yeah. 1-0 Wolves. Bloody hell, are we all feeling confident? Harry, give us a 4-1. Uh, if we play five at the back, I agree, one nil walls. If we play four at the back, four two walls. <laughs> Can't lose. Oh, Perfect. I'm going two on walls, obviously. Uh, let's get some latest betting odds and ticket news. Hi, I'm Kelly, Chris Kamara. You're listening to the 77 Club, and it's unbelievable, Jim. Hello, betting fans, both on your podcast and YouTube. Um, it's slim pickings, but there are some decent odds out there in all fairness. Um, William Jose to score first, 2-1 Wolves, 33-1. to one. Nice. If we are, yeah. are going to bottle it, McGoldrick to score first and either 1-0 to Sheffield United or a one all draw, 33-1. to one. Mm. Uh, Harry, I've got one for you. Pedenza to score first, Wolves 4-1, 140-1. I like that. I'm having that. I'm having like that. There's no massive odds this week. There's no... Big, big super odds. I mean, even the least likely to happen. In the Nelson Tomato to score first and Wolves to win 1-0 is... What's the highest we've been all season? Was 425 the highest? 425 to 1 was the highest. Is it? Yeah, oh, right. Yeah, okay. I don't think it's... 320. That high. That high. Go on. It's 120 to 1. Is that it? Really? Oh. God, that is short, isn't it? Wowee. For... You can see the lag well, of Harry's internet there. not going to score a goal for Wolves. That is very, very low. How, how, uh, much, you need to put, how much do you need to put on that to pay for your cat, Dan? Oh, please, Dan. Can, can, we share, can we share the story with the world? Because <laughs> it is just no. incredible. We can't. <laughs> um, all, all it is is that I have the world's most expensive cat. Jack, any ticket news out there? No, Sam, still, I'm afraid. Yeah, so that's about it, really. Uh, let's move on to some of the comments in the comment section on YouTube. And uh, Gavin says, uh, Leicester is the template for breaking the top six slash four. Did Wolves incorrectly try to replicate that last summer and put foundations in place without taking into consideration the effect of an extended season? And I suppose also not much of a preseason. And left us in the current situation, we're in with a bear squad and lots of injuries. Any, who wants to take that one? Gav's actually a mate of the show. He met us at uh, Wembley in the Budweiser fan portal park. 
Oh, no. <laughs> no good memory. <laughs> no, no, no. I went to uni with him as well. Oh, right. Okay. I don't oh, is he thick games. as well, is he? Yes, he's a Nottingham Trent Luddite. <laughs> uh, I'm joking. I think what Wolves have done is thought so much about future recruitment and not actually looked at the squad we had now. And the second you get a couple injuries within that, it, it cocks you quite a lot because you're looking to bring the younger ones through and keep the experienced squad and replace bit part as you need to. And we just haven't been able to do it, which has cocked our entire season up, really. So I don't think it's what Wolves have done per se. It's just the misfortune of what's happened at the club. And yes, we probably do need another couple of experienced players in there as well, like Leicester did. They did it with Johnny Evans. They brought in an experienced player to play alongside the the decent young guns that they brought in. So I think I think what Wolves did, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just that we we've had terrible fortune this year, and that's why we are where we are. Harry, do you think you, do you Harry, do you think you can transition with a 19 man squad? Is that possible, or do you need you know a core 25 to be able to actually make quite what is actually quite a big change? Yeah, I think we do need a core 25. But what I will say with Leicester is. They're an example of a team that have lost really good players, but still managed to get back up towards the top four. Obviously, lost Mares and people like that, and Maguire. Kante I don't know well, if he's any good. Yeah, Kante, but huge, and they won the league. What was it, five, six years ago now? And they've come yeah, back, yeah. and they're they're back up there now. And it's fair play to them. They, they they're a good team. They deserve to be where they are. And as you as mentioned, we need to do what they do and sign actual players. We've said it so many times from within England and sign proper players who can do it. And we, I want to replicate Leicester. I don't know if we've tried to, and if we have, we haven't done it properly, I'll be really this season. But as you mentioned, we've had bad luck with injuries, but Leicester are an example of a team who can break the top four. And they, they would have got in the top four last year if COVID didn't hit. They, they fell towards the end, didn't they? And we've got to try Leicester, and be Leicester, really. Leicester did get the huge fortune of stumbling across one of the best strikers going. I mean, that is a massive thing that you cannot compare to anything else. You do not just mm. come across a world-class striker, you know, every day. Wolves have got one close. Jimenez is a seriously, seriously good player. But Vardy in the Premier League is another world. It's a steal for a million pounds as well, isn't it? Uh, Jack, who's the better manager, do you think, out of uh, Brendan Rodgers and Nuno? Because I think he, I think Brendan Rodgers was was an absolute fraud. Because his failure at Liverpool is almost unforgivable. Going and doing it in Scotland means absolutely nothing. But to be fair to him, you've got to say he's one of the top performing managers in the league. Well, he's one of the ones where when he left Celtic to Leicester, you thought it could go horribly wrong with this, couldn't it? And it's just not. Respect to them, the Leicester model and everything they've done. Uh, obviously, you know, from winning the league and since then with their recruitments, like you say, with the players they've lost, it's just been brilliant. And Brendan Rodgers has been outstanding, you know, to keep keep that team consistently fighting when it seems that play, teams can just come and take their pick of their best players and, and that's it. And then they move on. I think he's he's really good. I I, I don't know who's the better, better manager. I don't know. Um, I can tell you who's had more Botox. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Chaotic Rager says, what do you guys reckon to Steve Bull saying we don't need to buy any defenders? Well, I personally say that his uh, punditry is about as good as his first touch, but I'll open it up to the floor. Um, uh, I'll start with you, but uh, Bayless or Harry, whichever one wants to uh, well, take I, I just want to say is, 
Steve Ball's an absolute legend. There's no doubt about it. But honestly, 90% of what he comes out with is absolute touch. Like, it's hard to criticize him. He's an absolute legend. But it was and he's here tonight. <laughs> yeah. Nah, mate. Love, I love him. But he's a country skill. Really not his strength, is it? Like, let's just be honest. I mean, anyone with a, a, an asshole and two eyes can, can see Wolves need defenders. So I don't know why he said that. If that is even true, I didn't know he said that. So we have to take Quatic Rage's word and for it. And the one-eyed man that can't have a poo, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> he says he doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> he, he says no defenders, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I've not seen that either, but I think anyone who's saying that, they just need to watch the first half against West Ham on repeat and then, <laughs> you know, stick it in a room with them and just keep watching it over and over and then say, we don't need any defenders because it's, I don't know what's top of the shopping list for the summer, but I think it's pretty high up there, isn't it? Centre-back. It's pretty high up. I was going to say, how many, got, how many defenders doing is the opposite question, isn't it? Like, we've got one good really defender need. and that's Bolly. One good centre-back and that's Bolly. Really. But is Semedo being replaced in the summer? That's that's the question, isn't it? Because I mean, we've got question marks over all the positions, really, especially with Johnny's injury. Uh, I, I suppose, Dan, you want him replaced, uh, but I don't know who you'd replace him with. I think we need to focus on key areas before that. We definitely need a centre-back. We definitely need a centre-midfielder and probably another winger somewhere. Um, and they take priority over replacing a right and left-back. Well, no, Raul's going to come back, isn't he? So he's not gone forever. Yeah, but we just have Fabio as backup and then we're back to where we were yeah. at the beginning of this year. If Raul gets injured again, we've only got Fabio. <laughs> and, and actually, that's not learning a lesson, though, is it? No. So maybe sign William Jose permanently, which I wouldn't like, or get someone else in if Jose goes back and then have three strikers. I, I think our, our issues are... We've got to have someone that's going to replace Matinho eventually and finding mm. a playmaker that's that good is very difficult to do. We definitely need a centre-back, no question about it. Um, and then you start to prioritise the other areas, which would, for me, be a left-back, a right-back, and then a utility forward, you know, a, a quick winger type mm. that picks up goals, a Jotter-esque type of player. Goalkeeper? I mean, looks like John Ruddy could be could be leaving. Goalkeeper. Oh, yeah, that's a good point, though. If he does leave, who are we going to, you know? I think there was talk they will bring someone in. And it's just, well, I think there was talk about just, because um, as long as Patricio's Rob fit, Green? They can, no. <laughs> they can Mark let him go Schwarzer. and just, uh, you know, play the third choice keeper, can't they? So I don't know. Wouldn't surprise me if they bring in a young Portuguese keeper, though, at some point. Uh, Joe Edwards did an article in the Express and Star. I don't know how much stick he got for it, but he's written one. And it says, five experienced left-back suggestions for Wolves. Uh, top of his list is Van Arnholt at Palace. Who would take him? He's decent, but would we go for him? That's the question. I, I didn't read the article, so I don't know if Joe covered this, but he's he's in England. Yeah, and 211 Premier League appearances, chipping in with 20 goals, 15 assists along the way, capable of playing a fullback or wingback. So I suppose he, 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 took he a scored of a couple of screamers as well. Yeah, scored yeah, a couple of belters. He'll be on a lot of money. I don't think I don't reckon Wolves will be able to match what Palace pay him. Actually, the Palace one, paid one. daft wages. For a crap, crap football team. The one thing I just thought of then is just what I was talking about earlier with um, Eight Nuri and Virginia. I th- I think now Johnny's injured. That Eight Nuri is certain to sign, isn't he? You've got you've got oh, to sign yeah, I think now you'd have to, yeah. Because otherwise you have you have nobody who can play in that position unless you bring like Vanagra back. I know there's a lot of talk about his transfer and where he's going to go next. But uh, that just reminds me of that Spider Man meme with <laughs> <same> player, <yeah. laughs> Eight Nuri and Vanagra. 
who else is on this list? Uh, we've got Ryan Bertrand, 31 years old now, out of contract. I mean, I, I'd, I'd take him, but I say that out of contract. I think they'd look at that, wouldn't they? Because it's no money. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, I like Bertrand. The one thing yeah. actually I keep forgetting about is I keep forgetting about Marcel. Oh God, I completely forgot about him. His legs though, isn't it, man? Like, it's because injuries. Twiglet's only come out at Christmas. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, if we signed, you know, we signed Marcel for a couple of million and he's quite old, surely we'd definitely get Bertrand done free. Yeah, it's but, cost you know, like five Marcel, grand a minute so. though, hasn't it, so far? Um, <laughs> yeah. And Davis, uh, um, Tottenham, 27. Yeah. I mean, I would. I would, yes, personally. No, no. I think he's. I can't see any of it. I can't see a Sonny any of these. I know, that's the thing. I can't see him coming, but personally, I would, I'd definitely have someone but like Bertrand's him. Bertrand's the um, best one out of a bad list. Charlie Taylor at Burnley? No. Danny Rose? Last time I saw him was when he was moaning on that documentary, the Spurs, Spurs documentary. documentary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when did Danny Rose last play in the Premier League? Oh, good question. Because it's a long time ago. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, if you look on transfermarket.co.uk, uh, the top-rated left-back, which I, I think, I mean, I probably agree with it overall, but maybe not this season, is Andy Robertson. And Liverpool went shopping in the Championship, didn't they? For or Hull um, had been relegated by then, hadn't they? Um, the one who's at Fulham now, I think. Andy Robertson, the one at um, he's at Liverpool left left back. Oh yeah. Who's that one at Fulham? He's decent. Yeah, he had a good game the other day. Everyone bangs on about him. I don't know. They're going down, so... Talking about Fulham, what ever happened to the world's best football player? He's at Spurs. For the old listeners. Cessna. Spurs, not playing. Yeah. Correct, yeah. Uh, Joe Bryan, I think you were talking about, Harry. Ah, there we go. To be honest, one player I really like, and it's it's probably unlikely now with how well West Ham are doing, is is Cresswell. I, I think he's... He's a brilliant player. Wow. He looks like a right greasy cockney. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that come from? You're not going to play. Uh, I don't know. Right, okay. he, does. he just doesn't. Yeah. He looks like a dirty player. That's what sure he is. I'm sure he's a lovely chap. But... And Anthony Robinson is an American professional left back for Fulham. I'm sure. I was going to say. I thought he was Tony uh, Robinson out of Blackadder. Oh, uh, he's, yeah, him. But um, maybe he's I, an option. I to don't. Go down. I don't like buying defenders from relegated teams because if they couldn't keep them out the season before, they aren't going to be very good at keeping them out the next year. Yeah, I'm sure there's some great exceptions to the rule there. Oh, loads. Ake. Johnny Evans. Yeah. Mings. Mings. Overrated. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Roger Johnson. Roger Johnson oh my god right look we'll leave it there on that note we've descended into chaos Uh, we'll say goodbye to Harry Mansell with the delay thank you everyone Jack Jack Williams Williams. and Dan Bayliss goodbye Wolves fans see you next week and it's a goodbye from me goodbye find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk Sports Social Podcast Network with lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.